0: Welcome to the Advance Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance.org, the professional network for overseas Australians. This podcast introduces remarkable Australians who have built their career overseas. We celebrate their optimism, creativity and resourcefulness to succeed across the globe. In this series, we meet the 2021 Advance Award winners. During each episode, I inform the interviewee that they will receive an Advance Award. Listen out for their unfiltered and heartfelt responses. I hope you enjoy getting to know more about these inspiring global Australians. In this podcast, you will meet Leith Greenslade, winner of the Social Impact Award and selected as the Global Australian of the Year for 2021.
1: I guess to kick off, how would you describe what you do, let's say, to a high school audience?
2: Hmm. So I build coalitions to tackle some of the world's deepest injustices is the way I would describe it. So I have 10 areas that I work in, ranging from preventing early death, right through to increasing women's leadership. So these are big, audacious global goals where we need to make rapid progress. And I like to build big coalitions of organisations to work together on achieving those goals. I'm talking a lot of organisations. So a good example is um, the Every Breath Counts Coalition, which is working now to help countries respond to the pandemic. Um, There's 50 organizations in that coalition, and they range from the smallest uh, non-profit to the largest multinational company. So I love getting all these different stakeholders around one table and trying, (laughs) it doesn't always work, but trying to get them to work together, because when
1: they do, truly anything is possible. That's fantastic. And, and, and knowing how stakeholder groups can work, it can be hit and miss sometimes. And how do you make sure it's a success? What are some of the tricks to getting those organisations to uh, work together well? So
2: I've, I've learned a lot of lessons over the years, and as you said, I've had a l- lot of misses. But a couple of hits, and that's what makes everything worthwhile. So one of the key ingredients for success to get all these organizations to work together is you need a neutral and trusted third party at the center of the whole exercise. And that's the role that I've stepped into Um, because I'm not competing with anyone, but I'm truly a neutral, uh, honest broker, if you like. Um... And when there's that level of trust, it's amazing what people will do. But without it, if you just have a group of organizations trying to to achieve the same goal with no one really, I guess it's a little bit like an orchestra where you have a conductor and that conductor has to be absolutely um, on the side of every, every instrument. No favorites, so everyone has to have a chance to shine. That's the kind of role, and I've fallen into that role. It wasn't something I set out to do. But I truly believe if you can play that r- role, um, we can achieve some of some of the big
1: changes that we, that every country
2: really needs to
1: make. Your journey is so interesting, um, going from working in public policy and in political advisory roles, um, studying in uh, Hong Kong and in and uh, at the Kennedy School what was your big picture goal as you were going through this and did you expect to end up doing what you're doing today?
2: No when I first started I thought I was going to be an investigative journalist so that's what I wanted to to do. I think I grew up in western Queensland in the 1970s we moved every few years around the state and if you know what Queensland was like at that time you saw a lot of injustices so I can remember as a child just looking around at the world and thinking there are so many things wrong and so many people doing the wrong things it'd be great to investigate that and sort of shine a big light onto those injustices so I thought journalism was what I would do but then I was very lucky uh, out of university to to work in politics for a particular politician, he was the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia at the time, Brian Howe, a Melbourne politician. And he was the one really, um, he had come from the civil rights movement. Um, he was uh, an academic sociologist. He was also a minister of religion. So he brought these rich backgrounds together into politics and really tried to make some big changes. So it was really my exposure to politics politics, to the good side of politics, you know, a politician who really is there for the right reasons, that I was able to think, hmm, um, rather than write stories, you know, in a a newspaper, if you can really harness political power for good, um, that's when real change is possible.
1: Wow. I guess um, I should let you know, one of the things we wanted to um, have you join us today was to let you know that not only being a finalist in the social impact but you were the winner of that category
0: i'm so happy about that
2: thank you so much you know it's it means so much to me to have that from australia truly truly
1: thank you so much that's wonderful to hear and and um, tell us why it means so much to have that from Australia.
2: You know the older I get, um, maybe this is just a function of getting older. The more you think back to your formative years and I do really think the country you grow up in shapes you in ways you really only figure out maybe when you're older and maybe when you're in another place. but more and more I value the um you know there and maybe it's changed now this I'm talking the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s australia was such a place of promise you could really had a great sense of optimism about the possibility for change hugely creative place um and there wasn't much inequality back then so there was this great sense of camaraderie between people. Maybe you're you're telling me you'll tell me it's changed now Um, but I grew up with a great sense of um, you know I think one of the reasons I work so well in coalitions with people from vastly different backgrounds different walks in life is growing up in Australia. Um, We're known for being very down-to-earth and what you see is what you get, very direct communicators, call it like it is, all those things people have said to me, which have to do with being Australian, um, you know, have really been, I think, ingredients of, of the, the work I've been able to, to do internationally. So I'm very proud to be Australian, very proud of the culture um, and of the way we conduct ourselves, the way we do business. <laughs>
1: I'm really interested to know about your decision to study in Hong Kong and the US. Can you just elaborate a bit more about what was the thinking behind that?
2: Yes. So I um, decided fairly early on that I wanted to um, have experience in government, the private sector, and nonprofit. So I wanted to be able to see the world from all these different points of view. So I could truly understand um, differences. And I wanted experience in the U.S. and in China. I guess, you know, already when I was studying there, China was emerging as the, the major counterforce to the U.S. And I wanted to see both sides. Um, I think I was, I was already thinking that um, we, and maybe this is a great message for young people, we need people to cross into other countries. We need people not to stay put and, and, and dig there, dig deep into one, uh, one, one job um, or one country or even one sector. What we need now more than ever in the world is people who with broad experience, who can see the world from all the different points of view and then hopefully find some kind of consensus or find the middle ground. And so I wanted to do that, and my experience in China was profound uh, and gave me a a deep appreciation of the Chinese people um, and their struggles and the way they view the world. And I've had the same in the US. Um, and I would encourage young people just starting out, we have a, a world that's more connected than ever before, to take a similar journey. Um, so rather than be the kind of person that is in one camp, be the kind of person who understands where everyone's coming from. Because when you have that knowledge and that perspective, you can really start to uh, put the pieces together and have have everyone move forward together rather than
1: at loggerheads. Building on that and your, your current uh, Just Actions and everything, and I mean huge, audacious goals, as you mentioned, what's next? This year has obviously been huge and last year with Every Breath Counts, but what's next for you?
2: So the big dream for the rest of my career is um, I think one of the things the pandemic has exposed, and climate change as well, is that we have a world where political power is still built on the nation state. So it's still nations and political power rests with nations. And we've seen that play out in a really ugly way with you know, the vaccine race, when everything breaks down and it's just nation against nation. Even the United Nations, the UN, is a is a is built on top of nations. So it hasn't been as effective as it should have been. I truly believe that we won't be able to deal with the big global threats, whether it's climate change or another pandemic. We're told there's going to be more pandemics. Inequality is another one that's really causing a lot of problems. We need an international architecture that can respond to global challenges. So I think of it like a UN 2.0. So we have to rebuild it. The UN was built after World War II. All those institutions like the World Bank, the IMF, all the tools we have internationally are post-World War II creations. After we come out of COVID, I think we need to rebuild again the global architecture. Um, So we're much more effective at working together when we have these massive threats. I would love to work on that. Um, and to contribute to that. But really, the the big work will be done by the next generation. That's their job to do. But I would love to give a good start at it. Um, so what, what what has happened now during the pandemic, unfortunately, it's a it's a tragedy that, that it doesn't just keep happening because our problems aren't going to go away. In fact, they're just going to, I think, get deeper um, in future years. So, yes, UN 2.0, that would be my... My next big dream job.
1: <laughs> oh, that's um, incredibly inspiring, and also just such a, a logical place to focus your attention with everything you've been able to do to date. For us as well, just and and with advance and having someone like yourself with such important goals and a big picture thinking is really important and. I wanted to let you know, and, and we have to do things all differently this year, that the judging panel met yesterday and looked at all the winners across each of the categories and they picked the overall winner, which will be announced as the 2021 Global Australian of the Year, and they selected you, Leith. It means so much to have the opportunity to talk about some of these
2: issues, Um And to have the exposure for them. It's such an amazing thing that you're doing to be able to.
1: Thank you so much. I am so excited that for the first time we are recognizing someone who's working in the social impact space. And if you look back through the years, it's been technology. It's been life sciences, incredible impact the hard yards of fighting these systemic challenges in society takes its toll and and i'm so proud that we can recognize you this year and and also just give a voice as you say to to your message and i think a, a really incredible match um for the time we're at and the and the message that you have
2: you know there are so many amazing australians that work in social impact and and we have a long history, and to give this, it's really a great r- recognition, I think, of the work of Australians internationally on social impact. Um, and um, I'm very proud to be standing, you know, next to some of, some of those those people. I know they've inspired me, and still in the UN, they talk, you know, the halls of the UN, uh, the names of Australians continually are, are come up. So. It means a great deal to me. Thank you. We're thrilled
1: that not only everything you've done to date, but the fact, and this was after the whole, all the nominations were in and everything, but everything you've done around COVID and the voice that you've given to the oxygen issue, it was so well-received in the media and in terms of just drawing attention to something you'd already been working on with the, with the oxygen distribution for pneumonia, but now it's for COVID. I love the way that it's, as we've all become smarter about health issues and inequality around the world through the last two years, the long-term work that you've been doing just is so much more relatable and everyone gets it and so it's a beautiful time to be highlighting everything you do and that that other people in your in your field do as well
2: you know on the oxygen we had some amazing australians and dr hamish graham from the murdoch children's research institute trevor duke from university melbourne uh there are several others kim mulholland so a lot of the researchers in oxygen are australians and they have these huge global reputations, but I don't know if it's well known at home, but we relied on them and their work, and they're quite like a lot of Australians, they're quiet in there. You know, they don't draw attention to themselves, um, but we did a lot of that work with Australian research. Um, I'm very proud of that work because, I mean, still today, there are people dying for lack of access to oxygen all across Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Our work is nowhere near done. But we had this big coalition, um, and we were able to increase it and really get them all screaming about oxygen. And then finally, we got the international, you know, the UN, and the international agencies to do something about it. And we're just starting to see now all that support for oxygen come through. But that, to me, was a real reinforcement because sometimes you wonder—you know—it's a lot of work keeping coalitions alive, keeping everyone happy, and doing the right thing it's it's often a very fragile balance and I I was sometimes I was you know thinking is is you know is this really going to work but then when we could get all these 50 powerful organizations stamping up and down at the same time and people actually listened it reinforced for me the value of working this way so um before this pandemic is over there'll be there'll be many more people unfortunately who die for lack of oxygen but I'm fairly confident that our work has saved a lot of people's lives um, thanks to the work of all of our members.
1: Just in terms of uh, and we as I mentioned with our next gen program, a lot of them are at that point where they're making decisions. I know a lot of them are thinking about oh, how do I change careers, go into a different industry. You had that explicit goal of wanting to have experience in government uh, Not for profits and the private sector. What advice would you give to people that are thinking about that and trying to make those decisions if they want to work in the social impact field? What advice would you give them?
2: The first thing I I love to say to young people is is don't work for an organisation. Don't even work for a particular leader or a CEO or an executive director. Work for an idea. Always work for an idea and track to that achievement of that idea so pick the issue that that resonates most deeply with you in terms of social impact and most people by the age of you know by their teens and older they, they know what gets what's they're passionate about so once you lock into an issue or a problem you want to solve make your build your career around achieving that that goal that idea sometimes it means you might need to be working in a company Sometimes it might ne- mean you need to be going to Europe to work in the United Nations, and a few years later, your best place might be Africa, working with an NGO. But if you work for an idea, I think you you can't get captured. And the great risk for young people is they get captured on their way to a career. They get captured by an institution, or they get uh, trapped by, into a set of skills that they can't break out of, or they get put into a box but I really, and a lot of a lot of young people are also very focused on brands coming at us from all directions. Is oh, this company is the best one to work for. They have the best brand, and I think you should avoid all of that because um, to stay true to yourself and not be captured by any institution, I think you need to work for an idea that's bigger than you. Um, so I would say number one pick your idea, pick what you're passionate about. It doesn't mean it it can't change. You don't start with it for the rest of your life. But um, if you choose wisely, you, you can't really go wrong all the time. You're in the service of that greater goal rather than any company or particular leader.
1: That's fantastic advice. Would have been good to know that yeah that's uh I yeah to get. think in that way
2: but i didn't have the con- as a young person i didn't have the confidence and this is pretty we have so much technology now you can create your own workplace you can even build your own organization just by connecting with other people um there's all sorts of platforms online now where you can so th- there's so much more freedom for young people to build their own workplaces even if they have the courage to do so and the- confidence. So I would encourage young people to absolutely have the confidence to believe if they pick the right issue, there's nothing they can't do. Of course, who you work with, the coalitions you build um, are critical to that. It's very hard for one person alone to make a huge change. Um, But Um, I think the technology now, and I'm one of those people, I believe in technology for good. There's a lot of criticism about a lot of the tech we have now, but I think the onus is on all of us who work in social impact to use the tools for good because there's certainly, we've used them in in the pandemic. We have used all our tools of connectivity extensively. What would we have done without them? So all of these connected tools are, um, I think, Um, key to to social impact moving forward but we have to use them for good
0: thank you for listening to this podcast for more on the winners of the 2021 advance awards please go to our website advance.org you can also scroll through and learn more about over 150 game changers who have been recognized by advance over the last 10 years